Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck Did You Make Me Watch with Michael and Davina. It's the podcast where we try and find the best and worst of film, TV and new media and see if we can make each other love or hate it or at least like it enough to give it some fucks. So uh, last week, Michael, we explored the super world of the supernaturally gifted superheroes. And this week we head into my favorite genre of all time, cue sarcasm. It is horror. And I've got to say, every single horror movie I have ever watched in my entire life has made me ask the age-old question, what the fuck did I just watch? Pretty much. Now, we're going to explore some doozies that skirt in around and go balls deep into the genre. But uh, before we kick off, make sure if you're listening that you uh, head on over to our social medias and say hello. Um, give us a tweet over on the Twitters. We are at WTFU Make Me Watch. We're also on Facebook at WTF Did You Make Me Watch. Uh, and of course, go and take a few moments to validate us. Give us some love and write us a review on the iTunes podcast store or whatever podcast store that you're listening to us on, just so we know how much you love us. So this week, Michael, we're having a look at Paris Hilton's House of Wax, a bit of Jason vs. Freddy Scream TV, and then finally a bit of Bates Motel. But we'll set you up first off. How did you like Jason v. Freddy? Have a listen first off. It's him. He's here. Lori, come on. You gotta wake up. So that is it. <sighs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's tricky for me because I loved as a kid watching Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. This is why I gave it to you because they were such big things growing up. Like, I mean, we all had you know those like the fake hand pop like glove things yeah. from Freddy, and like it was a massive thing growing up. Absolutely. And I loved watching them and I remember seeing all of them and, you know, because it was scary and, you know, a, a little bit funny and there was always, you know, that, that typical jump scare there and, you know, never really worrying about the plot. And then as an adult, of course, you start to look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like the worst thing is to go back and revisit a favourite, like it's the worst thing to do ever. Oh, yeah, it is. And especially when they're doing this fucking crime against humanity of fucking merging two big movies and characters together. And they've done so fucking much of it in, in the last couple of years. I think this was sort of start of the beginning, or the beginning of the end, really, if you will, um, where they brought these two characters together. And we've seen them, they're doing it in like fucking Batman versus Superman and the Avengers Marvel crossovers and bullshit. So I was immediately apprehensive with this, and rightly so. <laughs> Are you just rubbing your face now? Like, where do I go next? I just want to give people a visual. <laughs> yeah, I'm a broken man. Um, 
Look, it, it was ambitious, and they tried to set it up right. So if you're not familiar with it already, uh, Freddy Krueger is from Nightmare on Elm Street. Basically, the guy who used to kill children, uh, and then once the parents all burned him alive, he entered children's dreams and then killed them in their sleep. Got it? All right. And he had a wicked, like, like, hand made of knives and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, and he was, you know, all burnt on the face from when they burn him alive. Wonderful. Um, and then Jason is Jason Voorhees, uh, who was from Friday the 13th, which was basically a kid who drowned at camp because the campers were too neglectful. Um, and to cover it up, they murdered his mother. Um, and then the mother keeps bringing him back to life every time people come to the camp so he can go and murder them all with a machete for uh, being terrible people and coming back to the camp. Sounds legit. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's your basic setup, right? And every one of the reincarnations, they find a different reason for why the, the, when they killed them last time, suddenly they were back. So this time they're like, right, how do we explain them and bring them together? So it starts off with Freddy, who was gotten rid of by, oh, fuck knows, they brought him into the real world and killed him again at the end of the last one um, in, like, the final chapter. Um, Freddy in the dreams uh, is there, and he's upset because the way that they stopped him from ever coming back was they made the whole town forget that he ever existed. If they forget him, then they're not scared anymore, and if they're not scared, he can't get them in their nightmares and kill them. Correct. Right. Um, So he decides he must be remembered. So the only way he can do that is somehow enter the mind of the dead corpse of Jason, who they fucking offed him. I have no idea how. And Jason lying in the ground, Freddy becomes his mother in his brain and tells Jason that he has to be a good boy and go to Elm Street and start killing all of the children again. So he does. Off he trots down to Elm Street to the same house where it all began and in typical horror movie style goes and starts offing the kids. Um, and look, to its credit, I think they're a little bit camp and a little bit tongue-in-cheek and they kind of know that they're, they're, they're poking the bear with this genre and they're not trying to take it too seriously. Good, because you can't. You know, look, that's... Horror has always got to have an element of comedy to be half decent. Yeah, and that's almost where they've gone wrong, is they've tried to balance this mixture of, okay, we're going to take the piss a little bit, but we're also going to try really seriously to try and fold in an intricate plot and a backstory that really makes this a valid journey and explains why everything happens. Well, that's stupid. They never had a valid backstory anyway. They were kind of... Okay, well, that's my interpretation anyway, but... Yeah, I never remembered anything really particular, but, you know, apparently there's all of this shit. And that's... No, they just killed people. They killed people. That was it. Yeah, no, no. This is very detailed, right? So we unpack these kids, and it's weird because, like, the last movie was like fucking 12 plus years more before this. And they're running on like a four-year timeline since it's passed. Um, and apparently they've tried to erase all memories of Freddy. They've locked all of the children that do remember him in a mental asylum and given them drugs to make them um, not have nightmares and not allow them contact with anybody else. So the other kids are all unawares that Freddy ever existed. So when he starts killing, and when Jason starts killing and they you know might be realised that it's Freddy... Um, no one's going to realise and they'll all be safe, right? Yeah. Except that the kids in the mental asylum find out that the killings are happening and break out and start telling everyone about Freddy and boom, boom. Everyone's scared of Freddy and it's full of all of your typical like slasher, stab him, stab him, sneak up on them, stab him and kill them moments. Um, and then full of your typical what the fuck moments like how is Jason an invincible like machine that can just be fucking stabbed and attacked and set on fire and walk through a cornfield blazing a light like a fucking human torch and still 
not flinch. He's a zombie. Uh, it, but if he's a zombie, then how do they intend to fucking kill him? Which... Zombies can do anything. Ugh. It... <laughs> sure, there's your logic. Zombies can do anything. And <laughs> that's, but that's the level of logic that most of these films, this is why I hate so many horror films. Ugh, yeah. And it's just, and normally, like, I think you, you get to a point where, like, Jason in the other films, he never really gets attacked properly or anything. And, you know, the thing is, he's just so invincible. Uh, but, if, you know, they make a few attempts here. And it actually comes down to the Freddy versus Jason element, where the kids actually don't get attacked too much. Um, uh, there's a few of them die, and there's a mass scene where he gets a, a lot of them. Um, but they kind of try and do away with that, get onto the the narrative of how we try and stop from falling asleep and how we stop them and realise that they have to pit them against each other because um, Freddy Krueger's starting to get pissed off because Jason is going in and he's killing all of his children and he only wanted to kill a couple of the children, not all of the children. They're his children. Don't be a selfish murderer. Yes, that's right. And so he's looking angry um, and it's like what the fuck moment, right, where I just I can't even grasp how the fuck... Okay, so this guy's getting stoned when they're in the middle of trying to go and find the medication that's going to stop them from sleeping in the mental institution. Um, Decides, I'm just going to stop and light up a doobie, sits there, suddenly is stoned, and he turns around, and it's we're unsure if he's stoned or he's sleeping, but there's this weird, like, slug monster that comes out, and it's like, (laughs) and it's talking to him, and he's like, what the fuck? And then it jumps in his mouth. And suddenly, oh, he's not actually dreaming, he's awake, and the slug monster is Freddy Krueger, and it's controlling him, and it makes him pour all of the drugs down the sink, and then he goes out to try and attack Jason. Oh, my God, that reminds us, is that really amazing film, and I can't remember the name of it, where, like, the slugs would jump into your mouth and then turn you into a zombie. It turned the whole, like, town into zombies, and it was was actually one of my favourites I've ever seen. I can't even remember. Anyway. Yeah, it's not the zombie. No, clearly not. But I'm, but nice throwback. Yeah, yeah. So, look, that was, like, purely one of the most what-the-fuckery moments, um, which then divulges into the the what-the-fuck storyline of how they're trying to pit Freddy and Jason against each other in this elaborate plan to draw Freddy out of the dream world into the real world so that he can then fight Jason. The thing that doesn't make sense is if they're both in the real world, then then Freddy is, like, a real person who can be killed. And Freddy's, like, five foot tall and skinny as a fucking rake. All he's got is some fucking knives on a glove on his hand. And Jason's, like, eight foot tall and built, like, a brick shithouse. Like, Freddy's, like, a dude that'll pump your gas at a selling like, American station. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. With this, like, camp sassy bitchy edge to him as well. He's like, it's my world now, bitch. Um... And, like, so they have this epic, long battle that goes on where you're just like, the fuck? Like, Freddy should have been dead a long time ago, and he's clearly not supposed to be immortal, so what the fuck? So, Michael, come on. How many fucks are you going to give this one? Look, for nostalgia's sake, it deserves something. Um, And also, you know how I love giving points when I recognise people from places and where they're in you? Well, you like giving points for hot people. Yeah, that too. For pretty. <laughs> you give points for pretty. Well, look, I spotted a pretty face. There was one of the detectives. I was like, I know him. He's from a horror movie. And I did the Googling, and he was actually from the parody of the original Scream and other horror movie franchises. He was in Scary Movie. Oh, I love Scary Movie. Yeah, yeah. He was like the hot jockey blonde one, um, who was his name was like um, Greg Philippe in homage to Ryan Philippe's character. Yeah. So he makes an appearance in this one. So look for that. Um, and pure nostalgia, I'm going to go one and a half fucks. Awesome. Yeah. Yay for the hotties. Now, uh, movie time for you, Miss Davina. 
And now I had to be gentle with you because you're such a precious soul. And I wanted to go and give you like, uh, you know, a slasher or a, you know, chainsaw massacre or saw. But I really, I think you'd be too busy like blurring out if I did that to you. <laughs> That's so true because I swear to God, I freaking hate slasher films. So I went, okay, this is kind of slasher, trasher, really. I had to give you Paris Hilton, which I'm sure was her, her real if you will, real film debut, and that was House of Wax. Have a listen. You guys gonna do it tonight or what? Stop! What the hell is that? What does he want? Can we help you? Maybe we're on his property. I'm gonna turn your lights off. That guy was a freak. So let's get out of here. Alright, let's go. Come on, he's gone. I don't think anyone's here. Hey, where's that house of wax? It is wax. Literally. This is weird. Looks like a hell of a party. Look how detailed this is. Tell me this doesn't look real. They're saying that that's a real person underneath. They're all wax, everyone. Please, somebody! Bless your cotton socks. You've missed such a golden opportunity to take the piss out of me and make me watch something that truly would have made me squirm, Michael. So I'm so glad I didn't end up with Saw or The Cube or one of those kind of things because I really would have ranted. Just you give me another week. I'm going to find a way to slip that shit in there. So um, House of Wax, uh, the basic premise, a group of friends are heading to the city to see a big football match and on the way decide to camp in a seemingly deserted field that is close to a very small but off-the-map town. Strange things start happening. Even more strange is in the town that they discover. Uh, sorry, even more strange is the town that they discover as they try to repair their Ooh, all of a sudden broken down car. Like, hello. This has got so many horror movie cliches in it. I love the broken down car cliche. You know, some people gonna die. Did anyone even notice that the thing had been cut clean through? No. There's, oh, this thing must have snapped. Um, no. Okay. So it was actually filmed in Australia and I forgot about that because it actually had a set on fire. Yeah, a fire, sorry, a fire on set. Um, that, that kind of echoed that at the same time they were just going, ooh, how's the wax on fire? Anyway, uh, features Paris Hilton, Jared Padalecki, you might remember him from the TV series Supernatural, uh, Chad Michael Murray, Alicia Cuthbert. Oh, okay. I hate horror, but I am excited to see Paris Hilton. Um, First of all, I'm like, this is going to be more comedy than horror, which made me so excited because Paris Hilton, you just know the level of acting you're going to get. I know. But I lived in hope from mo- from start to end, and you'll be able to tell us if it happens if Paris Hilton dies. Oh, mate, I'm getting to that. Don't you worry. I'm expecting this to be so bad that it's good, and unfortunately it's actually better than I expected, uh, but mainly because they limited Paris's involvement. <laughs> like, <laughs> Paris, you could come in and we're going to use your name, but we're only going to let you do a couple of things and I'm going to mention what they are later because she literally does like four things and that is it. It's like you can come to the special family dinner, but you can't eat off the good china. Exactly, exactly. Just sit there and look pretty. Um, 
this movie has everything that I hate. It has throat slashed, fingers cut off, like mob style, fingered, you know, amputation, super glue on the lips. Oh my God, that's awful. Bleeding statues, creepy characters that kind of look a little bit like, um, what's the dude? Um, creep. No, creepy dude from uh, Charlie's Angels, Crispin Glover. In that movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like the whole greasy hair kind of thing. Um, it's got all of those things. And the storyline, as I said, it's predictable. It's based on the 1953 movie of the same name. So you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. But it's, it's like we're, we're, we're going to camp. We're a group of friends going away together. We're going to have a great time. Oh, so we're going to camp and look, we can't go the way we want to. We have to detour through this creepy little town. Oh, we'll just camp in this field overnight. Oh, the car's broken down. Something's, I hear creepy noises. What's going on? There's like 70 different warning flags. So anyone who's ever seen um, a, a horror film, this has got every single cliche you can imagine. Where you're sitting there for like 70% of the film going, run, bitch, run. Exactly. Like the Scream movies, run, bitch, run. Yeah, so, and you know what, the, there was a little mini plot twist right at the end that was uber predictable as well. Can I just say that as soon as I saw it? I guessed it, just saying. Um, this set, the set for this also reminds me, you know those hidden object games, you know, that are set in old creepy manners, you know, and you've got to find the objects that will help find clues to then solve a mystery. The set looks like one of those. Like, there's all of these things you're like, oh, look, there's a stethoscope in the corner. If this was a computer game, I'd have to find that. Like, it's literally, it looks like it's so... Um, theatrically dressed. Like one of those um, escape rooms that they've got now? Yeah. Yes, it's like the skate rooms. It's one of those. It, they look like that. They look like that. Um, yeah, so I reckon if I haven't already watched this space, they will bring one out eventually because it's perfect for it. Um, I'm really disappointed that Paris wasn't in this more. I wanted more of that comedy. Um, although it does, limiting her involvement does make the movie better as a whole. Horror doesn't interest me unless that, that like camp element, that crazy element to it that makes you laugh because that's what keeps you attached to this and not completely revolting. Well, me anyway. Um, the only comic thing in here is her acting, the way she kisses <laughs> Wade, her boyfriend, and her really fucking awesome death. And if you haven't seen it, you can YouTube it. It is worth it. It is so good. We might just have to get the link and put that up. Like, seriously. Um, and to cover, obviously, for her lack of acting skills, she sticks to her strengths in this movie. And um, she does I said four things. She kisses awkwardly. She performs a strip tease. She rolls her eyes and then dies a really cool death, but with bad acting. Just exactly really what everybody just wants to see her do. Yeah, although I was impressed that in the first couple of minutes she eats a French fry, proof that the lady eats. Oh, wow, she probably spat it back out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Someone get me a napkin. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. It's terrible. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's a cliche horror film, but it's it is fun to watch. I'll give it that. How many fucks as a as a hater of horror, I'll give it two and a half. If you like this stuff, I think you'd stretch to a three, three and a half if you really like the kind of horror genre. Not my cup of tea, but Paris did give me enough entertainment to make me at least willing to watch this one from the get go and not just going, Fuck you, Michael, for making me watch horror this week. Excellent. See I'm easing you in for when I do that go. And make you do that. We're in trouble. Um, you're listening to WTF Did You Make Me Watch podcast with Davina and Michael. And of course, we're exploring the wonderful world of horror this week. Now, we've had a bit of a chat about House of Wax, Jason v. Freddy. We're now going to head to some TV and you had a look at Bates Motel. Listen up. 
You're new. When did you move here? Last night. Do you have a girlfriend? No, just me and my mom. This is our chance to start over. Maybe some people don't get to start over. What do you think? This is crazy, Mom. We own a motel, Norman Bates. You're different. What's so different about me? I don't know. It's just a feeling I get. Nowhere is like this. People in this town, they deal with things in a different way. You got a warrant to search your house? No, Mother. There's something wrong with me. Don't be scared. I'm going to protect you. You don't think about the future, but what it's going to happen when you grow up? It's all going to be good, Norman. All right. This is interesting for me because I kind of, I'm, I'm fascinatingly, uh, morbidly intrigued is what I was looking for there. Um, and it's what the fuck in a good way with only a few little bad ways, but an interesting creation. So if you are unfamiliar, Bates Motel, Norman Bates from the very, very well-known Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. I know. See, my first thought is like, is like Kathy Bates, like um, from Misery. Do you remember Misery? Yes. How good was Misery? Yes. Yes. See, that one is one that I like. Absolutely, that was brilliant. Yeah, but anyway, super intelligent. Sadly, no Kathy Bates. Um, and actually, it's it's great because they put no name actors in. They didn't know who any of these people were. And there's only like a couple of people in the first episode, anyway. Um, but they've gone for the backstory which I think is good and ambitious, high probability of fucking it up, which they haven't done so far. And look, the only thing I think that they kind of made me what the fuck a little bit was this should be, if it's a proper prequel, which is what they're aiming for, it should be set in the right time. But they've tried to modernise the prequel, which just does my head in a little bit, right? Because if you're familiar with the Norman Bates character, like, you know, he, on top of just being fucking weird um, and, you know, obsessed with his mother in a very unhealthy manner, he it also comes from that time in which he was born and raised and that, you know, very stringent upbringing and, you know, the the discipline of, you know, what that would have that been, what, the 30s or 40s or however young he was back then. Um, and I think that was a, a big catalyst for how he became who he was um, and for the setting of the film as well. Um, so by trying to modernise it, it just does pull you in and out of it a little bit, which does make you go like, what the fuck? Because the set is dressed to replicate the original movie. Like the exact fucking house is sitting behind the exact fucking motel. It looks exactly the same. Um, and it's even got the old, old... Into interior of the rooms and everything, and interior of the house. So you're flashing into this house with like you know a 1950s style refrigerator, um, and then he's pulling out his mobile phone. I'm like, no, like yeah, that's the stuff that really fucking grates me, which isn't you know terrible in our in our realms of what the fuck, uh, but just enough that it just keeps pulling me out of it. Um, well, just question why? Why would you even bother doing that? Why wouldn't you just do this like the more modern version with the similar houses or the houses that have been modernised, you know, or whatever? You can still have that kind of familiar element. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I, I can only 
put it down to maybe budget-wise, sort of as it evolves, it, it does cost more money for them to try and you know retrospect movies to make them look older um, because they've got to go for all of the right cars and all of, you know they've got to you know be really stringent on everything when they're trying to backdate a film um, because then people will pick out they'll be like what was he doing wearing a fucking Apple Watch if it's 1963? Um, so that must be their own motivation, which does annoy me a little bit. Um, but look, you get into it, and the setup is done fairly well. We're looking at establishing how Norma Bates became a fucking psycho and became really attached to his mother. Um, and they're trying to do that by creating this really two characters, both in him and his mother, that are really kind of up and down, and they're hot and cold. Um, and if you're not really familiar and really on board with how that's going to take place, as a viewer, you're kind of like, ugh. Like you, you, you pulled back and forth. I was watching with my hubby and he had no idea. And he was like, why do they keep doing that? Why does he just keep going from like zero to a hundred of like passive, lovely, can I help you with that mother to like screechy fucking teen? Um, so again, it works well and it also goes against it. Um, and they basically have built this in really subtly. The dad's passed away. They've gone and they built, they bought a motel on their own. Um, they bought it off a guy, um, whose family has owned it for like a hundred years plus and it got taken by the bank. Um, so subplot there, he's really pissed off. And that kind of sparked the immediate thing. I thought, right, what we're going to see is how he became a murderer from when he's a very young person and that's the guy he's going to fucking kill. Yeah. Spoiler alert, that's the guy they kill. <laughs> Sorry about it, but it's a major plot part of the first episode, right? And that's how we start to frame, obviously, what is going to become the crazy psycho killer um, and his deep affection for protecting his mother because there's a conflict. The guy tries to hurt the mother and Norman wasn't there. So we can see that's going to be the catalyst for developing this really protective, you know, oh, my God, I wasn't there to protect mother. I must be there for mother all the time. Yeah, but is that really strong enough motivation for that to happen? I think it's going to be built on more. Um, you know, he didn't immediately go into this, oh my God, I must protect mother mode. Um, and I think it's going to be subtle. And look, I've heard good reviews about it and it's in like four seasons deep. So it's obviously got to have some success. Um, so overall, we've actually managed to find something that I, I quite like. Um, and it's what the fuck level isn't too bad. I would say, um, for something that was a horror movie, they're not quite horroring it up as much for the TV as they could. They try to be a little too jump-starty and, you know, like, oh, what's behind the door? Oh, no, it was just somebody's face who's not going to kill them. Oops, you know. This sounds a little bit like Hannibal. Yeah, it is a little, um, but not as abstract. You know, they're, they're a little bit more down the line. But, yeah, in that same way, um, I think Hannibal tried a little harder to be more horror-y and thriller at the same time. These guys are kind of skewering. They're kind of going horror-thriller, horror-thriller, yeah, kind of a little bit too gentle. So it needs a little bit of work, and I think it probably a few episodes in, and I'm going to be a lot more on board with it. Right. How many fucks? I'm actually going to give it, until I get a better idea, I'm going to give it three solid fucks. Three solid fucks. I think it might get better. I think that rating could improve in a couple of weeks' time. Right. And you're going to keep watching it? I am indeed. Nice one. Yes. Now, that was my TV. Mrs. Davina. Scream is an iconic film franchise, yes? It is, correct. Now, you have seen some of the Scream, am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen a number of the Scream movies. Right. So they got to four, I think, and went, oh, fuck, this is still good. People like it. And in four, they were able to modernise it and it worked. So they went, you know what? Let's make it into a TV show. Have a listen. Music on. 
Tyler? You can't do a slasher movie as a TV series. Slasher movies burn bright and fast. <laughs> Nina, are you home? By the time the first body is found, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before the bloodbath commences. Say you get a room, but I don't want the cleanup. You slept with Nina. No, um, wait. You have a dark mind. You have no idea. Everyone has secrets. Everyone tells lies. And everyone is fair game. Um, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say that everyone still loved it by the time they hit movie number four, Michael. Because, <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd lost a bit of interest after like the second one. I'm like, okay, I've seen it a couple of times now. We're, we're heading, or maybe I think I saw the third one as well. I can't remember because they kind of all blend a bit. Um, no, 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 right? They were good right up to number four. They held their ground. Three it was trying to jump the shark, but it didn't. It still held it there, and four brought it back. Okay, I never got to four because I was just like, yeah, right, whatever. Um, so this the, this TV series is a spin-off, as you mentioned, from the original movie franchise. And look, it's this, it's the same in that people die and people are killing them. What else do you need to know? You know, that's what happens in these kind of thriller, killer kind of slasher things. This one has been brought to you by MTV, Bob and Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> And I think that says it all. <laughs> I did not know this, but fucking boom, motherfucker. Does that not make perfect sense? Done. So I, I don't think I need to say anything else other than brought to you by MTV Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Um, it starts with a lesbian kissing scene and the song Cloud 69 <laughs> by Lowell. So I'm like, love this music. Whack in a lesbian kissing scene. That's the way to get them, Weinstein. Way to go. I wonder if you made them audition on your couch for that role. I could never watch this show the same again now, knowing this fact. Fuck. So, look, that said, because we had some really cracking music music to start off with, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this one a red-hot crack and see how we go. And the thing I loved about the Scream films is there was that sense of humour in them. There was an element of sense of humour, you know, that, that craziness and whatever. And, you know, they have this as well. In, you know, in the first death of Nina, and I'm not, I'm not making anything, you know, spoiling anything. Everyone, she dies within the first five minutes, peeps. She's the first one down. She tries to call emergency services, you know, and jumps on. And she can't press the digits because her fingers are wet from the pool. So she says, you know, Siri, call 911. And then all of a sudden it's like, calling Pottery Barn. <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's, that's exactly why I love this stuff. It makes me laugh. Um, yeah, so, well, like many of these ones as well, you have the commentary on, on a almost like a series within a series. So you've got your nerdy kid, uh, I can't remember his name, with his fascination around serial killers who sets up the season, you know, and is like, oh, sir, in class, you know, we can't do a slasher film as a TV series. Slasher movies burn bright and fast, but, you know, TV needs to drag things out. And, you know, it's meant to be at the very start, this kind of warning about how the, the series is going to be bright and fast and big and crazy. I'm not entirely sure it's going to be able to live up to it. Mm. You know, it's, it's hard to, it is hard to really hard to translate those things to TV. And that is a bit of an homage to, um, Scream 4 as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I've got to say there is product placement. There is one very famous <laughs> brand of telecommunications, 
telecommunications devices and tablets and those things and laptops. And let me guess, everybody's got one. Everyone's got one. Everyone's they're always on them. So it's yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and they just happen to be sitting in a field with a laptop and the uh, icon glowing on the front of the, uh, you know, it happens all the time. Anyway, um, this is so American teen. Like, it is totally, like, teachers. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, teachers are screwing students. Everyone has secrets. Everyone plays and then shags each other. So plays each other and then shags each other. No one seems to really care that Nina's dead. She was a bitch after all. We all admit that. No one's having to cry. But, you know, we're just a bit pissed off that people are making us have mandatory counselling. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like poor Nina. I mean, she's meant to be a bitch. And I'm like, I'm feeling for this girl right now. Um, I didn't know you, being a bitch really got you that much fucking hate. Like, there's being a bitch and there's being a terrible fucking awful person. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. Was she really that much of a horrible person? Maybe. Um, I only watched the start of the series, so I can't really tell you. But um, it's a real narcissistic culture with very little depth to the characters. So, and there's a lot of melodrama as well, you know. So the killer starts making creepy phone calls to the potential new victims, you know. I'm going to find you, lady, or I'm coming after you, or whatever, you know. And it's that that kind of device isn't as fear-inducing as it used to be now that everyone has mobile phones and we're used to people pranking us and being assholes. We're kind of used to that stuff. Yeah, you, need to, you need to step it up a little bit. Um, mostly the characters are a bunch of white cool kids with a couple of nerds and a lesbian thrown in. Yay for diversity. Exactly. The lesbian, I'm not a lesbian, lesbian, thrown in. Um, everyone has great hair and great bodies. There's no one over the size 12. Of course. And, like, they always look perfect when they die too. Yes. And all the boys have six packs. Yeah. And you get to see them when they die too most exactly. of the time. Of course. And they're all plumped up and tense and all of those sorts of things all the time. Um, it really, this is so freaking narcissistic. It's insane. This is like Instagram in a TV show. Again. Yeah. Ah. It's true, though. Um, the characters, as I said, they're one-dimensional, they're shallow. Like, But this series is clearly being set up because everyone has their secret and we're going to learn more about them as we go on. And even in this episode, a few little bits and pieces are revealed about so-and-so shagging so-and-so and cheating on whoever, whatever. Does it mean we're going to like them in the future? I really doubt it. They're still going to be narcissistic, shallow pricks by the end of the season. You're just going to know a little bit more about how much of a narcissistic, shallow prick they are. Um I kind of feel like this storyline relies a little bit too heavily on the history of Scream as opposed to breaking new ground in this space. Yeah, I think it's definitely born there, it's anchored there, um, and they, they don't manage to, to tear away from it. No, but they had the op- they've got the opportunity to. They could. They could really push it. But to be honest, um, look, Scream fans will love this. Um, Yes, there is a link to the old previous franchise films and all of those sorts of things, a little bit loose, loosely through the through the um, the plot. It's fun. It's been done before. It's not deep, as I mentioned. It's been a bit too long since I've really seen the Scream films to be so completely sucked in by this. Um, and to be honest, the whole popular American te- teen culture thing kind of makes me want to puke, and it really wants me like to you know want to join the serial killer and knocking these characters off. Like I want to jump in there and go, can we just get to whiny bitch? Um, you know, drunk asshole and this one over here and we'll knock them off one, two, three. You get the first, I'll get the next two. I could just see you. It wouldn't be, want to play a game? Just be like, oi, here, now, stab, done. Next, done, good. Excellent. Get the fuck out. That's exactly right. Get off my porch, bitch. 
That's what it would be. Um, so one and a half fucks. One and a half. All right. I, I, I was expecting less, actually. Yeah. I well, I've, I felt like I should at least give it something because of its history. But I, you know, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's it's not deep. It doesn't. I mean, Scream never was, but I don't. Yeah, didn't. It's really freaking shallow. Yeah, and you know, it, it could have done better. Maybe if it wasn't at the hands of a Weinstein. The whole series' future is at the hands of a Weinstein. Whoever wants to be at the hands of a fucking Weinstein. Exactly. Um, right. Thank you very much for what uh, for listening to WTF. Did you make me watch with Michael and Davina? Uh, that has been our episode on horror. Yeah. And uh, next week we thought we'd have a look at nineties kids. So, uh, don't forget to find us on Facecrack and Twitter at WTF You Make Me Watch. And if you like today's podcast, please go ahead, give it a rating and a comment via your podcast provider. And of course, if you want to flick us a message on Facebook, tell us what you'd like us to review. See you next week. See you next week. Do what the. Huh.